0: Have you ever wanted to play the perfect tabletop game where story beats run smoothly and there's no awkward pauses between dice rolls? Yeah, me too. But since that's impossible, I did the next best thing and novelized my Witcher tabletop game to showcase the story in its cleanest form. The result is this podcast. I'm Jacob Gerstel, and this is Tales from the Witcher. Part audiobook, part actual play, part serialized adventure, and a whole new way to vicariously enjoy tabletop games. Welcome to the world of The Witcher, where monsters roam freely and the continent is once again at war. If you were hoping to follow the plight of Geralt of Rivia, however, I'm not going to be doing that. Instead, I offer you the story of a not-so-merry band of degenerates who are making their way across the continent. So sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: Honest end. 15. Marshal Havardvar Mahoen sighed and shook his head as the Nilfgaardians formed a phalanx in front of him. He wore light plate armor, black with gold enamel, and an unadorned sword strapped to his hip. A black lacquered animal horn was slung across his shoulder and gently bounced against his thigh. I must admit, he said, I like this plan much less when I'm the one entering the city. Ethermel nodded, and again marveled at the Nilfgaardians' efficiency. Despite being plagued with disease, the camp moved like a well-oiled machine. They were not idle on this side of the city walls, and a bevy of loaded trebuchets and balistae stood at the ready. Planted around the camp were large, rectangular towers on jutting cartwheels. These siege towers were made of wood, and covered in dried oxenhide to keep it from catching fire. Ethermel initially suggested using a siege tower for cover as they enter a lander through the sewers, but Havard disagreed, saying it would alert too many guards and draw too many eyes. And sir, so we must once again entrust our lives to this tortoise formation, the sorcerer thought, as he watched the rows of Nilfgardians bring their shields up and over their heads. While the idea of entering a lander through the sewers a second time under fire did not please Ethermel, he could think of no other way to sneak a lone man into the city. "'Tell me,' Havert said, "'you had no issue teleporting to this side of the wall. "'Why can't you teleport us to the other side?' "'Because,' Ethramel sighed, "'I've only just mastered teleporting myself. "'I could try to teleport you, but I've no practice at it, "'and I'd rather you not get crushed by an endless void "'if I fuck up the spell. "'Though if you'd rather—' "'No, no, you've made your point clear.' "'Just stick close to me once the running starts,' Ethramel said. With luck, I won't need to save your sorry life for a second time. The Nilfgaardian marshal barked an order to one of the soldiers in front of them, telling him to straighten up lest you create a hole in the formation. I've more than paid off my old debts to you by agreeing to this damned plan, he told the sorcerer. If anyone else asked me to sneak into a sieged city alone, it would draw far too much attention if a retinue of soldiers jumped into the moat and buggered off into the sewers. The point stands that I would have anyone that suggested such a risky plan locked in irons. But I trust you, Ethramel, and I'm running out of options, so I'm going along with it. Ethramel raised his hands in a disarming notion. You have my word that this meeting will be safe. Tobias of Alanda is trustworthy, and you'll have protection in the sewers, from me and that witcher you briefly met, since when do witchers become bodyguards? Since monsters have become more and more scarce on the continent— Trust me, Havert, this is the best way to end the siege peacefully. Havert fiddled with the vambrace on his forearm, as if not paying attention. Well, just in case you and in your infinite wisdom are wrong, I have a backup plan. He touched the lacquered horn on his hip. If my men hear this horn, they are to begin an assault on the city immediately. We have enough trebuchets to bring down those walls, believe me. So at the first sign of trouble, the shield formation was complete. A handful of soldiers carrying ladders sidled next to the marshal and the elf. Ethramel nodded and said, Hovert, if anything unexpected were to happen, I'd blow that horn myself. Forward, Hovert shouted. The sun was setting as the Guardians marched, with Ethramel and Hovert at the rear. They ducked low, to avoid any bolts or rocks thrown from the walls. The sorcerer grinned and said, Just like when we tried to take Scala and Spala, eh? Aye though i remember it differently on my end Havard said not me seems i'm destined to trek through sewers any time there's a siege ethromel got a sudden sense of deja vu as the soldiers stopped and the shield formation broke just as northgardian crossbowmen shot a volley at a lander's walls the soldiers carrying the siege ladders screamed and rushed forward Ethramel joined them with havert at his side This time, Ethramel wasted no time summoning up his power and creating a barrier of wind that surrounded him and Havard. They sprinted as fast as they could, closing the gap between themselves and the moat. A crossbow bolt flew towards them, but was harmlessly swept aside by Ethromel's spell. The sorcerer was amazed to see that large portions of the moat had been filled in with dirt. He saw a Nilfgaardian carrying a long ladder go down from a bolt to the head but the other half-dozen soldiers hopped into the clogged moat and swung their ladders against the lander's walls. Bolts flew to and fro as soldiers scurried up the siege ladders, often with knives clenched in their teeth. Upon the walls, Temerian soldiers formed where these ladders met parapet. They pushed back, and one of the ladders toppled backwards with two men still on it. Still, the others climbed. Better them than me, Ethramel thought as he jumped into the moat. He felt the ground beneath him buckle, as if a bottomless pit would open and suck him into the muck. But the patch of earth held. Hovert hopped to Ethromel's side. The North Marshal's breathing was heavy as he pointed to the very pipe Ethramel, Zevo, and Jeremiah first entered less than a week ago. It was a few strides away, human refuse streaming out in a dark trickle. Ethramel took a few steps back, again feeling the earth shift beneath his feet like an earthquake, and sprinted towards the pipe he managed to haul himself up without getting too much shit on himself. He peeked his head out and motioned for Havert to follow. To Ethrimel's surprise, the marshal made the jump easily. They scurried inside, stopping at the sewer grate that was once warded with magic. Havert said, ''It may be warded. Any spells to help?'' Ethromel grinned. ''My old friend, I know just the one.'' He placed an open palm against the grate, feeling it immediately give way. Ethermel took a deep breath and said in a booming voice, Open, Sesamist. The grate fell back without resistance. Havert shook his head and said, You could have just told me you broke the grate last time. But this was more fun. After you, Marshal. It was, unsurprisingly, dark in the sewers. Ethermel summoned a small ball of flame in his hand and lit the two torches that Havert brought along while they waited for the witcher to arrive. He heard footsteps echoing through the pipes soon enough. The sorcerer frowned. The footfalls came in an uneven rhythm. Stay close, Havert, Ethrimel said. He felt for his sword with his free hand. Havert wasted no time reaching for his. At least, Ethermel thought, they were close enough to retreat into the moat if it. Zevo rounded a corner, cat-like pupil dilating at the sudden influx of light from Ethromel's torch. "'The sorcerer felt Hovert tense up,' as Zevo said, with deadpan calm. "'I'm here to help, if there are any monsters about. "'Come on, the Temerians are waiting.' "'By tomorrow I'll be out of this damned city,' Ethermel thought, "'kicking aside a dead rat that floated down the thin stream of muck. "'A good deal richer from my business dealings with Tobias, "'and a veritable hero to Nilfgaard. "'Not a bad day's work, I must say.' Before long, the four of them reached a slatted ladder bolted into the wall, leading to a metal manhole cover overhead. Two shadowed figures stood not far down the corridor. Ethramel tapped Havart's shoulder and said, Apologies for our tardiness. It took a little longer getting into the city than we thought. Tobias responded, Not a problem. I'm glad we could all make it. Havart Bar Mahouin, I presume? It is. Who do I have the honor of speaking with? Tobias of Alander. "'nobleman and member of Duke Carivard's small council. "'And I am Theo Everlander, Duke Carivard's closest adviser. "'I speak on his behalf. "'Welcome, Marshal.' "'Wait here,' Ethermel said to Zevo as he and Hobart stepped forward. "'If a Zugal shows up, you know what to do.' "'Aye,' Zevo said. "'Let's go a bit further in,' Tobias suggested. "'There's a maintenance room not far from here. "'Small, but it'll provide privacy as we hash out our agreement.' I can't imagine there will be much to hash out, Theo said. I believe Hovert will be amenable to our terms. They rounded a corner, walked for another minute, and stopped at a stone door set into the side of the pipe. Ethermel would have missed it completely if he didn't know where to look. Theo lowered his hand against a small circle inlaid in the door and twisted. The stone door scraped against the stone floor, revealing a square stone room. Empty, save for the corners that served as little more than storage space for unwieldy wooden tools that looked like converted farming plows, spades, and rakes. Let us discuss the matter, then, Hoffert said. The marshal's torch cast his face in shadow, making his eyes look sunken. The sorcerer spotted four torches set in sconces, one on each wall, and set about lighting the room. Athramel informs me that you wish to surrender the city to my army. Athramel speaks the truth. Theo said. On that we all agree, in principle. It's the specifics that we're here to work out. Havert nodded. And what would you like in exchange for opening up Alander's gates to me? Keeping most of the city's power structure intact, Tobias said curtly, we would like to operate as independently as possible, under the Imperator's suzerainty. This is not unheard of, of course, Havert said. Nilfgaard has a long-standing practice of allowing semi-autonomous rule in our provinces, as long as taxes are paid regularly, and levies are raised when needed. If I'm to become the governor of Temeria once the kingdom submits, I'm certain we can come up with a favorable agreement. Thus, Dio said with a grin, the specifics. Ethramel coughed. Before we get into that, what about, uh, what's to be done with Duke Haravard? He won't be likely to take Nilfgaard's rule lying down. True. But there's little he can do once the city is occupied, Tobias said. Theo and I can work around the Duke. And if, once we've surrendered, he's still obstinate, then the good marshal here can clasp him in irons. It would be better for all, truth be told. Duke ours eh, um... Theo sniffed a few times and grinned at Hovart. The marshal nodded. So before that happens, Theo said, let's get to the specifics. Ethramel didn't know how long it took for Hobart to negotiate the details of surrender in that shadowed and cramped room. He stayed out of most of it, content that the talks moved at a clean pace. He would take a long bath once all of this was done, he decided, to get the smell of shit out of his I think we've enough to work with, Theo said. I'll have everything written up tonight, and we'll open the gates at sunrise. I think it goes without saying that there will be no sacking when your men enter the city, Marshal Barmahallan. Hobart snorted. I'll personally string up any of my men that cause trouble. Good. Then I believe, gentlemen, that we've resolved this matter peacefully. Theo held out his hand to Havert. Ethrimel breathed a sigh of relief as Hovart shook Theo's hand. I'm glad we could work this out, the marshal said. I'll go back to my camp and... A cool breeze passed through the room, fluttering Ethramel's hair. He thought, how can there be wind down... At first, a thin red line appeared across Hovert and Tobias' throats, as if marked with an ink before surgery. Then the line opened like a red gorge, and blood drained from both men's necks. Hovert and Tobias gripped their throats in tandem, eyes wide with surprise. Hovert opened his mouth to speak, but could make no sound. "'Oh, my,' Theo said, taking a step back. His neck was quite unharmed. The shadows danced across his grinning face. Havert and Tobias collapsed, and without thinking, Ethermel ran to support Havert. ZEVO! he shrieked as he lifted Havert's head up. The North Guardian stared blankly at Ethermel, his breathing shallow. A sickening image of Carminiola, with his throat slashed by Luthli the Assassin, flashed before Ethermel's eyes. The wound looked deep. And one glance at Tobias told Ethramel that he only had time to stop the bleeding for one of them, if he could manage even that. Without hesitation, Ethramel pressed his hand against Havard's throat and summoned all the power he could. He let it flow into Havard's wound, and the Nilfgaardian sputtered and coughed. Ethramel looked at Tobias as he did this. Tobias stared back with glassy eyes as he tried to hold his throat together with both hands. I'm sorry, Ethramel said as he watched the life go out of Tobias's eyes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Theo of Alander gave a deep bow and summoned a green portal behind him. The light gave his skin a sickly pallor, but he looked quite pleased with himself. Before stepping through the portal, he said, Long live the king of the wild hunt. Theo disappeared. Ethramel did nothing to stop him. He channeled more power into Havert. His throat began to scab with milky white flesh, and Hovert's breathing lost its quick and shallow pace. Good, good, Ethramel said. Good, that's good. Keep breathing, keep... Zevo! Zevo! Where in the fuck are you? How do you open this damned door? The witcher shouted from the other side of the wall. Zevo spat a few more curses, followed by the sound of stone scraping stone. What happened? That fuck-a-theo happened is what? Ethramel snarled. HE WAS A DAMNED SORCERER! CUT THEIR THROATS AND TELEPORTED AWAY! Hovart groaned, and grasped for the horn at his side. He raised it shakily towards his mouth, glaring at Ethramel. The sorcerer didn't try to stop him. Hovart blew hard on the horn, and a deep boom echoed through the sewers, like an elephant's trumpet. Hovart then clutched Ethramel's shoulder and tried to haul himself up. "'Easy,' Ethramel said, helping his friend to his feet. "'Can you breathe?' yes Hovart croaked must go assault will as if on cue a rumble shook the sewers from above trebuchets Ethermel thought with a grimace those Northguardians are damned quick zevo Ethermel said we have to get Havart back to the camp then we can find jeremiah and yana and have her teleport us out of here then let's go Ethermel hobbled behind the witcher supporting Havart on one shoulder He cast one more glance at Tobias before leaving the storage room, and lowered his head. I'm sorry, he said again. Things weren't supposed to go this way. Zevo stopped cold and held his hand out at the slatted ladder. Stop. Do you hear that rumbling? From the trebuchets in Beliste, I assume, Ethromel said. We don't... No. That's coming from above. This is on our level. It sounds like... Zebra's question was answered faster than anyone would have liked. From around the corner, just up ahead, a probing, gray, octopus-like tentacle with three toothy suckers at its tip smacked against the wall. Then a second tentacle appeared, followed by a third. A fourth latched onto the base of the pipe, and a rotund blob rounded the corner. It looked like a potato to Ethramel if potatoes were the size of a house and had a gaping mouth filled with three rows of jagged teeth. Two bulbous, glazed eyes peered down from the top of the creature and caught sight of the three. Three more tentacles latched to the walls as the bulbous thing reoriented itself. A zoogle, Zevo said, and very nearly laughed. Well, shit, Ethrimel said. 16. Lily Armfell, chief bookkeeper of the Olander Company of Crafters, evidently enjoyed working late. Even as the bulk of the guildhall workers left to quietly scuttle to their homes and hope they'd live to see another day in the city, the halfling continued scribbling away at parchment. The sun began to set, and Jeremiah, Yana, and Silva grew more impatient with each passing minute. "'I thought she had a family to get back to,' Silva said." They were skulking in an alleyway across the street from the guild hall, eyeing the door intently. Jeremiah watched a patrol walk past without giving the three even a curious glance. Yana's magic had its uses, he had to admit. Maybe she's fallen behind on her paperwork. Silva gently and rhythmically tapped the back of her head against the wall. What a grim existence. What's the point of working to amass wealth if you don't even have time to use it? It works for some people i take it you're one of those people silva asked no jeremiah said yes yana said at the same time silva laughed hard workers were always the easiest to swindle call me curious master keller what is the appeal of working long hours in my admittedly short life i've never gotten a decent explanation jeremiah narrowed his eyes at yana's apprentice a bubble of annoyance forming in his gut he'd had just about enough of silva She had a chiding tone of voice when asking questions like that, as if she didn't care about a thing in the world. But Jeremiah was not fooled. He'd known people like Silva all his life, and not one of them was as nonchalant as they tried to come across. "'You remind me of my sister,' Jeremiah said. "'Childish and foolhardy.' Silva's easy grin disappeared, and she said, "'Well, you remind me of my sister.' It was the reaction Jeremiah expected." he said in a mocking tone. A hard worker with an attention to detail? In a way. Yana cleared her throat and said, Maybe we should focus on the task at hand. I'm guessing those traits have served her well, Jeremiah continued. He was on a roll, and not about to let up now. At the very least, she's not trapped in a sieged city like you are. Silva shook her head. No, no, she's rotting in an Adernian battlefield. Jeremiah looked to Yana, who gave him an expression indicating he fucked up. I'm sorry. And before he could stop himself, he added, Seems we've that in common, then. What in common? Silva said, no longer in a chiding tone. My sister's gone, too. Of all of his siblings, the craftsman was closest to Emma. She was three years older and loved to lord that fact over Jeremiah. He never minded, though. He'd known Emma his whole life, and knew her playful tone came from a good place. Her unearned confidence, however, less so. It got her in trouble more times than Jeremiah could count, and proved to be the death of her when she fell from her horse trying to do some foolish riding trick at the age of fourteen. Silva nodded. Sorry you've had to experience that. Same to you. They fell silent and returned to waiting. Fifteen minutes passed. Jeremiah leaned against the guild hall's red-bricked walls and rubbed his eyes with thumb and forefinger. Why don't we just go in and... Shhh! Yana cocked her head towards Lily exiting the guild hall, shadowed in purple light. She strode out with purpose, a large ledger tucked under her arm. Yana grinned at Jeremiah and Silva and made a quick motion with her left hand to end the cloaking spell. Time to work, she said. Lily, hold up if you'd please jeremiah called he jogged towards the silhouette that stopped turned and from a near imperceptible raise of her shoulders sighed master keller jeremiah i really must protest these constant interruptions it's been a long day and i hope you don't mind if i make it a little bit longer it's important the craftsman said he motioned to yana and silva these are my associates we are he cleared his throat were also servants of the gutter king. Quiet hung between them. Lily took a deep breath and walked back to the guild hall. I understand. Follow me, please. Jeremiah raised an eyebrow at the two. The sorceress followed, her silk dress fluttering in the breeze. Silva gave Jeremiah a thumbs up and followed. Jeremiah touched the crossbow hanging from his shoulder and felt comforted by its weight. The hall was dark and filled with the smoke of recently snuffed candles. The only light came from Celine's office. Jeremiah held his breath as Lily knocked and opened the door. Celine sat at her desk, jewelry sparkling by candlelight. She eyed the four of them, her gaze lingering longest on Yana. Did you forget something, Lily? she asked. The halfling nodded. As suspected, Jeremiah fights for the king as well, and he's brought two comrades with him. I thought you should meet them. Celine palpably sighed with relief. You've no idea how glad I am to hear that. In our hour of greatest need, the king sends us salvation. We suspected he served the people, Jeremiah, but we couldn't afford to be forthright, of course. Apologies for any frustrations our coin has caused. None at all, Jeremiah lied. Celine rummaged through her desk and pulled out a stained bottle with clear liquid. Shall we have a drink? She poured five small glasses of vodka. Jeremiah took one with an unsteady hand. Was this a trick? He followed Yana's lead, and when he saw her take a sip, he downed his glass with one swallow. I'd love to hear your names, comrades, Selene said to Silva and Yana. Yana and Silva, the sorceress said. And, as you said, comrade, the king sent us here to provide relief. Liberty through union, Selene said. Liberty through union, Lily repeated in a whisper. Yana nodded gravely. Jeremiah and Silva followed suit. I never doubted aid would come, of course. Celine looked up wistfully at the ceiling. She spoke as if enraptured. The king thinks of everything and everyone. We've a great part to play in his plans. Tell us what you need, Yana said. Something of great importance needs to be moved out of the lander. Selene again reached into her desk and produced a letter with a broken seal. We received a shipment from our comrades three weeks ago, with instructions to discreetly pass it across the Pontar Valley as soon as we could. We prepared our route meticulously, but then this damned siege came along and trapped us. Celine stood up and pulled a ring of keys from her desk. She motioned for them to leave the office, saying, Time's running short. Let me show you what needs to be moved. They led Jeremiah, Yana, and Silva into the guild hall's basement. It had a cozy, cramped feeling, with wooden walls and cobblestone floors. Surprisingly, few crates filled the space up. Jeremiah's eyes fell to the metal door at the end of the room, the one Selene walked towards, languidly finding the correct key on her keyring. She turned the key slowly and opened the door even slower. Lily crouched nearby, peeking inside. "'Clear,' the halfling said. Selene nodded and threw the door open. The room inside was half the size of the rectangular basement, and filled to the ceiling with crates and burlap sacks. Each crate and sack had a symbol crudely painted onto it, a red, three-pronged crown, diagonally cleaved in two by a yellow line. A pathway snaked its way around the marked goods, so narrow they had to walk single file.' They finally reached a clearing near the back, where all of them could stand shoulder to shoulder, and Jeremiah saw what they needed to be smuggled out of the city. Sitting against the wall was a man, with his legs drawn close to his chest. His lank and matted black hair, liberally lined with strands of gray, covered his eyes, and his beard was patchy and hung in curly strands around his round face. He was not thin, but not large either, a powerful stench emanated from him. The man looked up and brushed his dirty hair from his eyes. Still full of life, Jeremiah thought, horrified at the sight. This man's not been broken yet. Yana showed no signs of distress, though her apprentice could not hide the disgust on her face. Yana simply asked, Who is he? It was not for us to ask, Celine said. What's his name? Silva asked. Not for us to ask either, Lily said. The king ordered him discreetly shipped to the Redanian side of the Pontar River. Since no more information was provided, it is not important for us to know. If you could get him out of the city... We can, Yana said sharply. Then Lily will draw a map up for you. You're to take him to an abandoned river crossing, not more than three days off. We were told a group of comrades are already waiting there. Hopefully they're still there, Silva said. They will be, Lily said. They fight for the people just as hard as we do. They'd not abandon their post until the job is done. Jeremiah felt a sharp tug in his stomach, as if he had a sudden bout of food poisoning. He was prepared to smuggle whatever supplies the gutter rebellion needed, but he didn't expect to move a kidnapped man. He looked over at Silva and saw the same conflict in her eyes. Just as Jeremiah was opening his mouth to say he wanted to discuss the matter privately with Yana, he heard a crash from above. The ground rumbled for a few moments, and then all was silent. Then another crash sounded, and another rumble followed. Then there were screams. The captive man stared at each of them with an empty look on his slow face. Yana and Jeremiah and Silva rushed out of the room, followed by Lily and Celine, who locked the door behind her. They ran back upstairs to find the guild hall suddenly awash with light. A building across the road was on fire, and had a large hole through its center. Townsfolk ran from the collapsing wreckage screaming and clutching their injuries. The five stepped outside, just in time to see a ball of fire streak across the sky like a comet before crashing deeper into the inner city. A horn sounded from the city keep, and bells rang across all of the lander. Fuck me, Lily spad as a cluster of Temerian soldiers sprinted past. The Northgardians got impatient. Celine turned to Jeremiah, Yana, and Silva, her hair falling into her eyes. You'll need to get the shipment out now before it's too late. Can you manage? Yes, we can manage, Yana said. If needed, she could teleport them and the prisoner out of a lander with no problem. For we have a few companions inside the city. They may need help getting out. Jeremiah felt a stabbing ache in his side. He had no idea where Zevo and Ethramel were, and vice versa. They had hardly spoken with each other about their own individual plans, or where they went each day. Perhaps he realized for the first time. That was a mistake. What were the odds they could find each other amidst the panic of a fiery city before they got killed? Jeremiah was a realist about such things, and he made his choice. No, he said, more to Yana than the others. Our companions can take care of themselves. We'll escape and wait for them outside the city, with the prisoner. Jeremiah thought it better to get the man away from Melander for now. He could sort out the moral dilemmas later, when black cloaks weren't about to swarm them like locusts. I'd go with you, Selene said, looking up at the guild hall, but I need to do what I can to protect my life's work, and I've got my family to consider. Lily held out her hand to Jeremiah. Best of luck, comrade. Jeremiah resisted the urge to spit on the rebels. He shook their hands instead.
0: That'll do it for this episode of Tales from the Witcher. This podcast is written and produced by Jacob Gerstel. The Witcher novels are by Andrzej Sapkowski, The Witcher games are by CD Projekt Red, and The Witcher tabletop RPG is by R. Talsorian Games. The music is by Eric Matias at soundimage.org. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and to spread the word of this podcast far and wide. You can follow the podcast at Tales Witcher Pod on X or at Tales from the Witcher. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again next week.